the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is pre-recorded. Opinions expressed may not reflect those of Salem Media of Colorado or its sponsors. This is Life in Colorado, a radio news magazine about the issues, events, and the unique life we live in the Centennial State. Welcome to Life in Colorado. I'm Mark Howington, and with me, I've got a whole host of characters and we're going to start with Mandy Dar, and the reason we'll start with her will become pretty apparent, and then we'll be introducing some other folks a little bit later on. First of all, Mandy, just want to say welcome to the program. Thank you very much. Now, tell us your story a little bit. You have a couple of children which have what is known as sensory processing disorder. So first of all, tell me about that. What is sensory processing disorder? Um, my name is Mandy, and I have four children. Um, two of them, yes, have been diagnosed with sensory processing disorder. And that is a condition in which um, their senses process the environment around them and what they're receiving in the environment around them in a neurotypical way that's different than uh, their peers. And when we talk about this, we'll bring on a couple of your children as well. And for now, I want to head over to Virginia Spielman, Executive Director of Star Institute for Sensory Processing. So, Virginia, shed a little bit more light on what this disorder is and how your organization can help with it. Well, thanks, Mark. It's great to be here. Um, Every human processes sensation all the time. Um, You can think of examples even from your day. You woke up. You maybe smelt coffee or if you were lucky, bacon or your favorite oatmeal. You put your feet on the ground and you felt the carpet under your feet. And then you moved your body up into a position of standing. Um, If you move too fast, maybe you got dizzy. Every single one of those examples is an example of processing and integrating sensation. So it's, it's, it's important really as our respiratory system, as breathing. And so as with any part of the nervous system functioning, there can be differences in how humans process sensation and how the nervous system does that. And so for some people, um, simple everyday sensations can bombard their nervous systems and that can be very disorganizing and very challenging. For other people, they don't notice a lot of what's going on. They're under-responsive to the world around them. And then there's other ways that it manifests as well. So differences in sensory processing can mean that creating a motor plan in a, in a new environment feels like being given the keys to a car before you've been taught to drive. So there's all of these processes that our brain and body do every day all the time. And differences in our nervous system's capacity to do that can be challenging. They can also, you know, differences in sensory processing can also lead you to an Olympic gold medal. So it goes both ways. Um, But uh, one of the interesting things is that this world was generally built for one body type. And so when we do have these kinds of differences, participating in the world and being successful at school can sometimes be very challenging. 
And we're going to speak with John McConkey in just a few moments because he has designed some playgrounds that actually help people who have this disorder to process more. But first, I want to head back to Mandy because, Mandy, you have two children who have this sensory processing disorder. So let's talk about those children and what life is like on an everyday basis with these children. With each of my children who experience differences in their sensory processing, it's very, very different. And you cannot say that um, one person with sensory processing is going to react to the world and the environment around them in a very similar way. In fact, just the two boys in my family who experience this experience life in very, very different ways, even one from another. My 12-year-old son, for example, when he becomes uh, overwhelmed by the environment around him, and that could possibly be because of auditory or too many visual uh, pieces in his environment, or his body is having a difficult time with proprioception and figuring out where his body is in space and the movement around him. His reaction to that is very different than my other son. Uh, My 12-year-old's reaction to those often is to find a quiet space or to go to a place to be alone. Whereas my other child, who's eight years old, my son, who also experiences sensory differences than uh, his peers, um, if the auditory environment is too loud for him, for example, uh, his behavior becomes overwhelming, and he lets us know in a very, very different way. Some of his challenges also are lots of auditory information is very dysregulating, and his body doesn't know how to react to that type of thing. So busy places such as restaurants or grocery stores, um, amusement parks, fireworks, things that a lot of typical families find fun and enjoyable become a tremendous challenge for us to participate in. So I want to hear from your kids, and you'll have to let me know when it's appropriate for them to be a part of this story. But I know one of the things that you have found that really helps your family, and especially these two children, is you've gone to the playground. So talk about that experience. Oh, the playground is a wonderful place for us. In fact, we're on a vacation. We're traveling at the moment when we're speaking here to you. We pulled over and we're here together. Even just yet this morning, the first place that we stopped before we really got going on the road was a playground. And that gave them the opportunity to just experience some creative play. Um, They use their imagination. They've got body movement and space that they can figure out things that are uh, calming and regulating for them. The swings are a wonderful thing. They really enjoy that. But what it most opens up in a place for our family is just um, a place to almost seem typical. They can do and experience life and lead in their own way with creative play in whatever way that their body is needing at that moment. Um, they become creative. Another aspect of the sensory processing disorder for our family that we've seen is a very um, a large impact in the social-emotional arena. And so things that typical children would do to include others, such as initiation, communication, um, inviting others to play, become an incredible challenge when you have sensory processing disorder. But on the playground, there's a freedom of expression and a freedom to invite others into your play and to become creative in the things that you're doing that you don't experience, and I don't see my children experience in other areas of their life, such as school or the classroom or the home environment. So introduce us to your children around the table and and, uh, let them uh, share the part of their story they want to share. 
Okay, I'll first introduce you to my son, Isaiah. He's 12 years old, and he has sensory processing disorder. He's in seventh grade, so this is Isaiah. Hello. Hello, Isaiah. It's good to hear from you. Yeah, you too. So um, I really like going to playgrounds, especially ones that are like have a lot of different options of things to play on. Like this morning, we went to a playground, and there were so many different things we did, and we had a lot of creative play. Um, and uh, we all love going to playgrounds and things. That sounds like fun. And we're going to talk with John McConkey in just a few moments about how these playgrounds get designed. So who, who else is around the table? I'm Elijah. This is Elijah. Hey, Elijah. He's in third grade. Awesome, Elijah. Did Elijah want to share some about his story as well? Or was he just saying hi? Because that's awesome. He's not sure. If you could ask him a direct question, he'd be happy to respond. Okay. Elijah, we'll talk about being on a playground. What's what's your favorite playground toy or equipment? Do you like the slides or the swings? All of it's really fun. You you love it. You, you, you know, you're kind of like me. You know, if I can find a place to play, that's, that's where I'm going to be. So, Elijah, maybe you and I will run into each other in the playground sometime. Sounds good. Okay. Thanks for being a part of our show today. And I was there. Was there also Addie? I think I had Addie on the list as well. Hi, I'm Addie. Hey, Addie. Hi, how are you? I'm great. So, tell me about your part in this story and your family. Well, I'm older, obviously, than everybody else. I'm in high school now, and I don't really experience it as much. But when I was younger, I always remember loving going to playgrounds in the neighborhood. And, um, yeah, I feel like it's a really good time to bond with my siblings. Like today, I was pushing Joshua on the swing. And, yeah. Excellent. Well, Addie, thanks for being a part of the family. I, I hope high school is going well with you in the middle of all this COVID pandemic stuff. I will say that this is mom, Mandy, and I will say that growing up with younger siblings with sensory processing disorder has been quite a challenge for Addie, but she has found ways to be able to adapt and learn um, the types of things that they need. It's been quite a challenge in her life growing up with brothers that have this as a challenge. And even as of just this morning, she, she was the one who had the idea, mom, what did I do? I took them to a playground and that was her idea to get them out and to go and do that this morning. And so um, she's a wonderful sister to these two younger brothers, and it can be quite a challenge for her. I can imagine. Yeah, I, I'm going to say good on you for being that kind of a sister, Addie. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Well, let's turn to John McConkey. John, you are with Landscape Structures, and uh, you know we've been talking a lot so far about the way playgrounds can help with the, the sensory processing disorder. So talk about the design of playgrounds. Talk about your involvement in this story, and how does all that fit together? Sure, Mark. Thanks. Um, so first and foremost, one of the things that we believe is that uh, every child deserves the opportunity to experience risk and the accompanying success that goes along with that. And it's so important for every child to be able to experience opportunities to, to learn what that sensation of achievement and success feels like, because that can carry over into so many other aspects of their lives. And so um, to give you a little historical perspective, Playgrounds have often been what we might call the perfect storm for a lot of children with sensory disorders or other disabilities. Um, and 
very often they've been designed according to the ADA to meet the needs of people with a mobility impairment. But that's about as far as it has gone. Uh, now, I mentioned earlier that we've been an expert in designing for inclusion for probably the last dozen years or so. And what we've been learning through focus groups with parents and working with uh, experts like Virginia and her team of occupational therapists is that, that the more prevalent disability diagnoses are not those with mobility impairments. That's actually only represents approximately 1% of the total population of people with a disability. But people with sensory disorders or, or uh, kids on the autism spectrum or with other cognitive and uh, developmental disorders are by, and by far the much more prevalent population. And playgrounds have never been designed for their needs. So um, when we talk about um, creating opportunities for uh, experiencing risk and success, we include things like graduated levels of challenge so that there's always something that meets a child at their current developmental level, but then offers them the chance to kind of push their limits a little bit. Um, we might uh, then include what we call variety and choice. So, for example, some of the types of sensory experiences that we love to include in playgrounds are things like spinning or swinging. We mentioned that earlier. But a spinning sensation is something that a child might experience individually. So we would have an, a, a single-use spinner that they might choose to go to if, if that's something that they, they uh, would like to experience. But then we could also have a group spinner, which enables more kids to get together in that spinner and share that common experience of spinning and the socialization that can occur from that. Uh, so that's just one example of variety and choice. So we empower kids to feel that they can choose what they are interested in doing. And uh, so the range of different experiences can meet them at their developmental level. Let me ask you this. You've been talking about, you know, the design of playgrounds and yeah, which I, I'm, I'm following and loving that, that you're talking about all the variety and, and the different experiences that, that can be offered in a playground experience for kids, whether, whether they have this sensory processing disorder or not. But I'm, I'm picturing myself, you know, when, when I had my kids heading, heading down the neighborhood street and, and, you know, there's a park and there's a playground and, you know, what's there is what's there. Mandy, for example, just talked about, uh, being on vacation on the road. They, they pulled over found a playground so obviously not every playground is going to have these kind of choices that you were talking about so does your organization then advocate and help to perhaps get more of these playgrounds out there and if so how is it that that people in are their neighborhood associations for example that can approach you and say hey you know we we like what we're hearing how can we get a playground like that in our neighborhood park two ways that, that we work with communities. Um, first of all, there's a huge educational component to this process because uh, so many people who are involved in either owning or managing or, or designing and building playgrounds don't necessarily understand all the nuances of the needs of children with different, different uh, sensory differences or with uh, other developmental differences. 
Um, so they may still be thinking, well, a playground that's designed for kids with a, with some type of a disability is only a playground that allows for um, that child who may use a wheelchair to be able to access. So we're educating the public, we're educating designers and decision makers why this is so important. And uh, one of the things that uh, you can do if you're interested is you can go to playlsi.com, which is our website, and there's a tab called Visit a Playground, and you can click on that and enter in the zip code or city location, and it'll bring up a listing of all the different playgrounds in that area. And it's important that we not only educate the public about the differences of, of what makes for a wonderful, inclusive play space and how that's unique, but then we also need to educate those people who are making funding decisions and the in you know, the incredible benefit that these can offer for children, especially from a young age. Again, that sense of experiencing risk and success can carry over into other aspects of their lives in the classroom, in their social relationships, in their bonding moments with their parents and their friends. And that's what we really see as the greatest impact. So once people understand this and they understand the need, then they recognize that that we really do need to have something like this in our community. There are families who drive hundreds and hundreds of miles to visit a playground that meets their family's needs. And then they come back to their community, either their parks department or their city council and say, why don't we have one of these in our backyard? We should, we're a, we're a community that, that uh, claims that we are, are inclusive in general. So why shouldn't we have one of these playgrounds nearby? And that's, that's an awesome question. So again, uh, give us your website so that if people are asking that question of their city councils, that uh, they can go to your website and find an answer there. Right. So Landscape Structures website is playlsi.com. So play Landscape Structures, Inc., LSI, playlsi.com. Excellent. Thanks, John. I'm hoping we can perhaps cycle back around you. I'm watching the clock tick away. So I want to get back to Virginia Spielman, who is the executive director of STAR. It's the Institute for Sensory Processing. Virginia, again, part of what your organization is trying to do as well is to to get awareness of this sensory processing disorder. And also, like John, you're trying to help the the, the communities uh, understand what they can do about it. So talk a little bit more about your mission. Absolutely. There's been a long history of advocacy for, for better understanding at Star Institute. Um, that it's such a, a, a simple and important part of everyday life, how we feel and, and the neurology or, or the mechanisms behind how we feel. It affects our mental health. It affects our emotions. Um, as the Dar family shared, it affects social emotional development so much. And yet it's really poorly understood. And in fact, some people will say, um, you know, that, that they're skeptical about it. You, you can't really be if you understand that it's a nervous system process. Um, but what we, what we find is that we have people coming to us week after week after week where it's been missed and it's unidentified that they have differences in sensory processing. So, for example, preschoolers who are being expelled or suspended from school are coming to us and that there's a misinterpretation of their behavior as 
bad behavior. But when you look at it through this sensory lens, then you can start to see, well, this is differences in how this child experiences the world. And so they're, of course, functioning differently in the classroom. And so a lot of STARS work is educating the, the classroom team, the parents, and the child to be, be their own best advocate, as well as helping them gain more confidence in their bodies and being able to enjoy the world more rather than feeling bombarded and confused by it. So it is actually Sensory Awareness Month this month. Um, and uh, that's why we're delighted to be talking about the importance of inclusive playgrounds and, and taking into account differences in sensory processing. But we're also telling a number of stories this month based on many real-life characters that really show how understanding this can transform lives for the better. Um, and at the end of this month, we're also having a sensory-friendly trunk or treat that is going to be socially distanced in um, our building on South Yosemite Street that we would love people to come to, especially if they do have differences in how they experience the world. So I'm, I'm thinking right now of uh, a family, perhaps, like the Dar family. And by the way, Mandy, I'll be coming to you shortly uh, just uh, to wrap up the story of your family. But uh, So you've got parents who are realizing that their children have got this sensory processing disorder or perhaps a teacher in the classroom. And, and maybe they haven't encountered this yet. So talk about your the way to contact your organization to find out yeah. more information. So we would, we would love to have people reach out to us. We have a lot of resources online that are free, um, but we're also very happy to talk to schools. We're, we're working with um, some school districts in Colorado this year. Um, our website is www.spdstar.org. So S-P-D-S-T-A-R dot O-R-G. And we would love to have people um, connect with us. Uh, and, and then our sensory awareness stories are being translated into Spanish, Italian, German, Chinese, and Arabic. And they're available as a free resource for people to better understand the impact of this area. And um, they're available as free downloads from our social media page on on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, and on our website as well. And we'd, we'd be really delighted to see people using that free resource. Excellent. So let's head back to Mandy and your family. And Mandy, any other experiences that you would like to talk about in terms of uh, as a parent of a couple of kids that have this sensory processing disorder, what would you say to perhaps to a mom who is realizing that, okay, I, I, as I've been listening to this, I think that may be part of what's going on in my family, maybe with my children. Uh, talk about, just speak to that mother and what advice would you give her? Um, thank you for that opportunity because it's interesting that you mention it just at this moment. It was just only last weekend that I was standing at a football game, actually, and a mother approached me and she had heard about one of my sons and she was asking that same question. She said, I've been wondering about my boy. He's se uh, seventh grade and where do I begin? I've had questions about all of these pieces. Our family's been struggling for years and um, one of the first things that I told her is to reach out to the STAR Institute, and I let her know about STAR, and um, I think reaching out to another family is one of the most important pieces, and so any type of a parent, a mother uh, especially, has a sense that something is not right if you just are wondering about things with your own children in the way that you see them. It often comes out as a behavioral response or 
something that just doesn't seem typical in the way that a child is responding, the first thing that I would say is just to stick with your gut, to stick with your gut feeling and know that something here isn't isn't quite right. And then to reach out, to reach out to others and begin asking questions. Begin asking questions about um, how your child is experiencing the world and their behavioral reactions to certain environments or certain things that they're experiencing themselves, whether it be the clothes on their body don't feel correct or you're noticing that the way that they experience the environment, things are too loud or there are times when your child appears clumsy and maybe they shouldn't. Or maybe there's an opportunity where you notice that uh, the foods that they're eating um, are not settling right with them or they're having very picky preferences on certain things. To stick with that gut feeling that maybe possibly something isn't right and to reach out to someone, whether that be a school team or whether that be another parent or someone that you know um, who also is experiencing that. And I've spoken with many families because this has been part of our life for so long. And the STAR Institute is more than happy to refer uh, refer them to me. They have my name, and it's been a wonderful experience to meet with other parents. I wish back when I was first discovering that things were not right with my children, I wish that I would have had another parent at that moment to say, everything's okay, this is not your fault, there are things that you can do to overcome this, and there are places that can help you to be able to get your family back to experiencing life in a normal way again. Well, I want to say thank you to all of you. I wish we had time to cycle back around and, and chat with with each of you again. But I just want to say thank you for being a part of Life in Colorado. If you have questions or comments about today's program, please call 303-750-5687 or email us at lifeincolorado at salemdenver.com. Life in Colorado is a public affairs presentation of Salem Media of Colorado.